Welcome to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. Happy birthday, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Another year around the sun. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah, still hasn't been as many as me, but I'm glad that uh, you're moving along. In good health. You sound better today than you did in some of the recalls we had the last couple of weeks. So maybe the cold is gone. Hopeful. Yeah, it's the cold and then now allergies. I feel like I'm being a one-two punch. It's not great. Well, glad you're back in it. But we'll just zoom through some links today uh, and get you into the content. First one I want to call out is a video on YouTube from Natalia Kotz about publish your app in the Microsoft team app store and i have to be honest i didn't go through the whole thing because my app's already been published but <laughs> Taya has going through a 35 minutes here of getting steps that you have to do to get your app in the app store for teams the microsoft teams app store i suppose i should qualify that right so uh, thanks to Taya for putting that together yeah I, I must admit it's good to be seeing more videos being shared on like the submission process and you know tips and tricks on what you should do um because all these stores have intricacies that make them not the smoothest of processes like i've had apps in the apple store before myself personally and it's not as obvious as you'd like but um this one makes it look really streamlined so it's impressive yeah what i liked the, was that you, know, you can press f5 in the toolkit and it just magically happens but really what's what's going on right it's nice to understand what's happening so yeah that's right what yeah what's that hiding yeah, yeah totally um, the next one is a blog post from on the Azure blog, uh, Inside the Making of the Azure SDK Management Libraries. And I posted this because while it says open API in the first couple of paragraphs, their process is not quite the same as what we've heard from Daryl and Vincent on Kyoto. So I think it's worth, if you're a developer, you should understand what's happening. So it's, it's a good read to go through, see how the process is on the Azure SDK uh, um, generation, if you will, because they are different. And I, I totally get why you don't always need an access token for Azure. You can sometimes use a key, but but it's worth understanding what's going on there and certainly has some talking points for me. Next time I visit Daryl, hopefully be in a bar with some beers, but <laughs> we get yeah, moving on. You'd, wanna, you'd probably need beers to get there. <laughs> non-PC opinion on that. But what's funny is often we're always seeing how big the Azure SDK team is and how many PMs they have versus how many PMs and devs we have on on our stuff. It'll be interesting to see with the Kyoto work that we've been doing, whether that changes the ball game a little bit for Azure because you know technically they're open API as well and they could actually generate this too. Yeah, but you know, there's been a lot of, of documentation from them on because they they each each service or each workload has its own SDK usually, right? Uh, it, whereas Graph has one to to rule them all across all the different workloads. So it's really not quite apples to apples. But that's right. Uh, yeah. yeah, I would love to see it. And it's still on my to do list to run Kyoto myself on some stuff. So, but anyways, I just wanted to get this out there. There, you know, there's three main pillars at Microsoft: yeah. <laughs> Azure, Office, and Power Apps. And so here's how the one the second one of the three. Uh, is doing their stuff. So thanks for sharing that. It's Ellen Dole who posted that blog post. And the last one is a community link from Adam Wojcik. Adam, I probably mispronounced your last name. I, my apologies. <laughs> but Adam has a nice post in the PNP blog about saving data to the app personal folder. And you know what? I, I remember hearing a little bit about this long time ago when OneDrive first kind of rolled out to the cloud and I had forgotten. So it's a nice reminder for those of us who remember writing code run on Windows, you'd have the app data folder under the username. Well, it's a similar concept if I want to store data that's in the cloud, but not 
not somewhere where users are going to accidentally screw it up. This is a great approach to go through and say, give me the special slash app root folder and put my data in there. So thanks, Adam, for this blog post. Right, it's, it's funny because Ed Averett in the call of the podcast last week talked about the fact that this will eventually come to OneDrive for Business because of the way they're consolidating um, OneDrive consumer and OneDrive for Business on the organizational side. So I know it's been a big ask, like going back to the app I built in the Apple Store, um, having to ask a user, a consumer user that uses a family M365 account to access to their entire OneDrive for Business definitely saw drop off for me in my app usage. Whereas when it was just a personal account, because I could use an app folder, people would accept that because it was only giving my app access to a folder it created for that app and not access to every file that was in their OneDrive. And so it would be great when we could have that concept of app folders within the OneDrive for business space. But yeah, if you're doing anything in consumer space, this is a really good, good way to do kind of like least privileged type access to an area that you can use to drop your files into. And it being a special folder, users don't tend to go in there and screw things up. <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, it's flipped, right? Like sometimes it can yeah. be good that the users can see all the videos you upload there and do yeah, things with them. Yeah. But yeah, if the users start to tinker with those files, assuming that only the app's doing that tinkering, you need <laughs> yeah. to be so careful you with your code. Tell, yeah. In our product suite, we don't want them in there messing with it. Trust yeah. us. We'll put the file there. We'll maintain it. You just need to let us let us have the right access. But anyway, so good, good stuff there. Great to see. So this week on the podcast, we have Altimish, and I'm afraid I, Altimish, I, I totally uh, screw up the name every time I mention it, but Altimish Ahmad, who's a PM in the bookings team, who came on and gave us an overview of bookings. Thanks to Altimish for doing that. And thanks, Jeremy, for getting him, uh, tracking him down. We've been tracing him for quite a while, so it was nice to get them on. And good stuff in bookings, folks. If you're doing anything with calendars, you might want to listen up. So it's good stuff. So thanks again. And glad you're feeling better, birthday boy. Thanks, mate. And we'll chat next time. Cheers, Paul. Today on the podcast, I'm pleased to welcome Altamish. Welcome. Hey, how are you guys? We're doing doing great, except for you know the the spring cold that seems to run around. But we'll 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 muddle through no problem. So, uh, welcome to the show. Will you please introduce yourself for our listeners? Sure. So I'm Alpamish. I work as a product manager for the Microsoft Bookings team. I have been in Microsoft for over a year now. Uh, I've also worked as a product manager in a company called Sprinkler. And I have uh, experience as a software engineer in Adobe. Uh, so that's a brief introduction about myself. For the last one year, I have been in looking into bookings, primarily also launching the recent updates on the platform API side of things. This is great. You know, I, I didn't, I heard about bookings, didn't really use much of it. You know, I, if I need to talk to someone at the office, I just call them. But then when I wanted to talk to someone on Jeremy's staff, I got this, this link that says, here, book time with me. And hey, there's the bookings thing. It's really pretty neat. So I, I can see the value for it. But why don't you give us from your perspective, what is the bookings app and, and why do I care? Well, booking is like an appointment scheduling software, which provides you an efficient way of connecting with your stakeholders. Microsoft bookings is used by both enterprise and small businesses. In bookings, typically think of it like uh, you're a business and you can offer various services. So, for example, if Jeremy runs, say, a coaching center, right? So, he can provide services like tutorship or mentorship. So, bookings helps you like uh, present your business to the stake, to the outside world and people can avail your services by scheduling appointments with you. 
And so, I mean, I've been using the personal bookings feature as part of the Outlook calendar for a while to allow me just to have a link in my email signature. Someone wants to find like 25 minutes with me and it kind of respects my free time. Is the bookings product like just a more extended version of that or is it totally different? In a way, it's similar to that, but it offers you much more expansive capabilities. Like, for example, you can have a team of service providers. Say you're a small business, right? Say you're a spa and salon and you have 10 stylists. So you can include all those 10 stylists in your bookings calendar. And a person who is coming, an external customer who is coming to book an appointment for a haircut can just schedule an appointment and it gets allocated to any of the available staff members. So it allows you to do things in a team. It allows you to do things individually. So I would say it is similar in the kind of like offering because, well, it allows you to book appointments. But uh, here you have more extended uh, capabilities, I suppose. I feel like there's a joke about hairstylists there, Paul, but I'm going to keep away from that content. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's it's audio only, so folks can't really see the lack of hair that I have. (laughs) And so I I love the idea of it round robbing in, and it's something we've actually experimented with our team for people being able to book time and just kind of round robbing around my team. It's now up to, well, I guess it's eight of us now. Um, And that's a lot easier than like manually trying to work out who's available or, or different things. As a small business, do they just go in a UI and configure that? Like they're basically saying, you know, like here's the eight people and, you know, these are the time slots that are allowed to have things booked in and and that's how it works? Yes, that's about it. So basically you can go inside bookings. You can add your staff members. We call the people who provide services as staff members. Uh, They are usually the members in your tenant, but you can add external parties who are not member of your tenants as well. And you can configure time slots for them when they will be available and external customers can come and book an appointment with them. Interesting thing is it's it can be any kind of mailbox. It need not be a human being also. For example, say uh, in your organization, you have cars and you know your employees can come and like they can reserve cars. So you can just create mailboxes for your cars and your, and your employees can book an appointment with a car. So they'll be able to reserve it. So any mailbox, you can, it can be added as a staff member in the bookings calendar. And are there, um, from a use, other use cases, those are some really good ones you share, but like in other verticals within Microsoft 365, you know, like EDU and healthcare, government, like what types of scenarios come up in, in like those use cases for people using Microsoft 365? The two sectors which you mentioned, education and healthcare, I think those are like our primary sectors because there are a lot of use cases and we have a lot of universities, schools and clinics and hospitals which use bookings so let's take the example of education in education the use cases are versatile for example you're a professor right and you want to have one-on-one with your students or you want prospective students to come and interact with you so that you know they can choose their specialization so you can just open a bookings calendar and the students can come and schedule a one-on-one with you it's not just professors and students right many times parents are also interested in understanding about the school or about the university before taking the decision of sending their kids there so they can come they can also book appointments with like the school staff or anyone like who is in the admission committee to find out more about the universities one of the very interesting use cases which i have seen uh, universities offer students is in recruitment so for example companies come to college to give a presentation so that you know students can join their organization so they configure bookings calendar for them and interesting students join those sessions a very interesting use case which i encountered was with respect to resource booking 
so there was this university it had specialized lab equipments right and these are very precious resources and they don't want the time to be wasted or people to not get slots so they configured mailboxes for these two lab equipments and they opened a calendar for them so anyone who wanted to use those lab equipments just went to the booking calendar and booked an appointment so in education we have seen versatile use cases and you know anyone who offer who kind of offers a service to the students probably can use bookings calendar think of counselors right so counselors are busy folks and you know students can just come and book a slot with them if they uh, have their calendars bookings calendars configured coming to healthcare it's another uh, industry where we have seen a lot of adoption especially during the pandemic time right like in pandemic time normal hospital visits reduced and virtual consultations increased a lot now bookings comes integrated with teams so anyone who is booking an appointment with a doctor can just have an online consultation they need not visit the hospitals so we have that feature which has been very useful uh, in fact you can use bookings calendar to schedule any kind of visits like for example if you want to have a medical test schedule or some kind of medical procedure so hospital staff schedule booking calendars for the same covid uh, especially saw huge unique use cases like people were booking slots for vaccinations and for covid testing now obviously these can be extended to other uh, diseases as well these are not just uh, restricted to covid you can have slots booked for any kind of test or any kind of vaccinations those those scenarios are great and a couple different approaches that that are popping into my mind so i could i can provision a mailbox for a shared resource or or folks can share their calendar directly so i would assume then that the app is more self-service right if it's turned on in my tenant then i can go into a ui somewhere and say you know turn it on for my calendar or do i have to get it involved or both or how, how does that look so it depends on how you, how the tenant admin wants to uh, make bookings available in their organization so both the ways are possible so the tenant admin can make it available for all users then they just have to go and create a bookings calendar and bookings calendar in the backend actually creates a shared mailbox it's not your personal mailbox which is involved a new mailbox is created and the benefit of that is that you know when you leave the organization the business can still continue it's not your personal mailbox uh, it's a shared mailbox other admins can come and join perform uh, provide the same service and uh, well a uh, tenant admin can configure it in a way where you know you request them for granting you privilege to create the bookings calendar and so you know in the example of um you mentioned about the healthcare of like booking a one-on-one -on -one consultant with a doctor or booking a vaccine test as a product what does that look like is it because on my personal booking site, there's like a book 25 minutes for Jeremy. I'm assuming that they just, you create different types of bookings. Like, can you ask particular questions when you do the booking? Say for instance, if you wanted to let the doctor know what you wanted to talk about in your consultancy, like they'd have a special drop down. Like, is there customization in those forms you can do? Yeah, there's, there's customization. So for example, uh, what typically a hospital would do is they will create a new calendar, especially for say COVID scenarios in this case, and they will have services. covid tests and covid vaccinations so as a external patient who is not within the tenant i come and select one of these services then i choose an appropriate time slot for me and if the hospital wants to ask me extra question they can configure what is known as custom questions so they can ask me my insurance details or what symptoms i am observing so they can ask me anything so custom questions offer you that capability to ask anything from the customer 
Well, so it's it's do a little survey or, or form gathering in addition to booking an item on my calendar. I, I kind of missed all that as part of the rollout. So that's that's awesome. You know, so so, you know, transitioning this from the bookings product or the service right to, to what developers can do. Can I do all of those things programmatically or some of them? Give us an overview of what the API surface is like for a developer. Sure. So uh, you can do almost all of those things. So. As I was talking about custom questions, that's also available in the APIs. In the APIs, if you look at a high level, there are five key entities. So like business is the root entity. Now business, as the word describes, it has all the attributes which describe your business. Like for example, your business hours, what is your business website? What's your business phone numbers? It encapsulates all these details along with some scheduling policies, right? And a business provides services. So services, you can think of as the second key entity in bookings. So for example, I use the uh, spa and salon example, which uh, I think was not appreciated well. But hairstyling can be a service and uh, say a facial can be another service, right? So services are the services which are provided by the business and they are like our second entity. Now an external customer who uh, in case of a hospital is a patient, in case of a university is a student, they can come and book appointments for these services. So appointment is another entity and these customers, these stakeholders, the external stakeholders who are booking the appointment are another entity. Now this service is provided by staff members. So staff member is the fifth key entity. So here are the five key entities and we provide typical CRUD operations for all these five entities. I'll go into the details a little later. So for, uh, there are APIs to create and configure the calendar and there are APIs to go and create the appointment. We recently just launched application permissions as well. Earlier, we were just offering delegated permission support, but we launched application permissions right now. To create and modify and configure a calendar, you would need delegated permissions because these are booking admin scenarios. We don't want the external customer to fire APIs to create or modify a calendar. No, that's not there. So delegated permissions are used for creating and configuring the calendar. And application permissions are used to like, you know, create the appointments and application permissions can also read your calendar. So almost all the whatever use cases you see here can be configured, can be achieved by APIs as well. And I will say that we are very close to say that there's like a 100% parity, but it's not 100% yet between the web, the standalone app and the graph APIs. So I want I want to drill down on one thing. So earlier you were talking about how I could create a mailbox to represent a shared resource. And now you're talking about APIs to access a calendar. So that's the same thing. I'm guessing I'm not an administrator, but so in the exchange service, I create a mailbox which has an attached calendar. Is that what you're referring to? Or is there something special off somewhere else? No, it's just a shared mailbox and we call it like the booking calendar. So these five entities, like it's just part of the same shared mailbox. You use the APIs to access like the attributes or the resources in the shared mailbox itself. And can that be associated with a team? So if I create a team and I get a team mailbox or a team calendar, can bookings update that or is it the old exchange things? No, it's the exchange thing. And uh, you have to add the staff members here. Uh, you can't create a group or a team to add it at the moment. You have to add individual staff members to provide the services in your calendar. You can add external members as well, but there are limitations. They won't be able to come and access bookings they will just get the appointment request. Right. Okay. Great. Thanks for that clarification. Yeah. Sorry. And so as an example, like I'm just thinking this through the, you know, if I wanted to change up the questions on the fly programmatically, I don't know, every day something changes about the way that I'm booking a particular vaccine appointment. 
that is too hard to do as a setup on the form statically. Maybe it's like the available vaccine that's available or something, something customized. Can you do things like change the custom, uh, the questions on the fly through the API? Like how deep do you go on like the API and what's available? So we can definitely change the questions. So for example, these custom questions are configured at a service level. So for example, there's a service which is called like COVID testing. Now you ask a bunch of questions around insurance and you realize that insurance questions are not relevant because you don't need that information. So you can go ahead and modify the service and it will remove that in uh, that question for future appointments. But for all the existing appointments, which have already been created, those custom questions will still exist. But for a new appointment, which comes, uh, that custom question wouldn't be asked. So I'm assuming you're like storing the responses of those questions or the answers, sorry, as like a JSON packet inside the calendar item or something. Yeah, so this this is the appointment entity which I talked about. The appointment entity yeah. will capture this information. But if I really want to get into that, like your point, Jeremy, where maybe I want to look up what what's available, what vaccines are available today, I could put a web front end in front of that and then just call into bookings when I'm done. Is that would that be the use case ultimate that I'm thinking? I think it's possible to configure it like that. Yeah, I'm just thinking like as a dev, maybe if I don't want to send someone off to you know, Microsoft's user experience to do the booking and like you're in an iPhone app and you just want to own it end to end, you can do that all through the API? Like if I was in, I don't know. Uh, yeah, so you will need application permissions for this. This has just been newly launched in beta, but you can definitely do that. Yeah, no, that's really neat. Um, and then I guess the other question I have was, you know, I have a running joke with my dentist actually that they seem to remind me like, two hours before the event, 12 hours before the event, 24 hours before the event. Like there's like eight different reminders to make sure that I actually mi don't miss my dentist appointment. Is there any capability that you can add to like, you know, hook into that? So I could have like webhook notifications or I guess if I can see all my calendar items, I could ask for their phone numbers or something and then use a, an external service to ping them and let them know, you know, your appointment is in two hours or. So, uh, we can configure reminders by default in uh, Microsoft Bookings. So the capabilities for APIs when it comes to reminders is a little limited, but you can go to the web application and configure when you want to send your customer a reminder. And these reminders can be sent both in email and in SMS. So what I think you were talking about is like uh, some kind of a power automate integration. Is that what you were hinting? Like you get a notification and then you send another. Yeah, I guess. Uh, so we do not have that capability yet. But we send reminders and uh, reminders, which are email reminders and SMS reminders by default. Yeah. And it, it can be configured in the Bookings web app. We are also working on a Power Automate integ uh, on integration. So yeah, that's one of our roadmap items. Then probably you can listen to it and fire notifications anywhere you like. Which Yeah, it's great that you have the out-of-the-box reminder things. But I'm thinking like if there was some reason there had to be a customized flow, you know, you turn those off. But then it could be Power Automate, it could be... Azure functions, time, you know, whatever you want to do to wake up and check and then use an external service as well for like very custom, custom workflows. But that's really neat that you have all the crud for each of those objects. And honestly, quite unusual with a brand new Microsoft product to have that much coverage of a product in the API. So <laughs> I would say thank you. You know, that, that's one of the questions that I had thought of before we started, right? So this, obviously not every service has every API right away in the graph. And can, can you share any of the insights or decisions that you folks made 
was graph going to be part of day one on purpose or was there you know customer feedback just talk to me a little bit about how that how that experience worked and my hope is that other folks listening who work at microsoft you know can 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 help give more apis to us externals to to do all this stuff so so uh, bookings are microsoft graph i think from more than three years ago so I think it was just given since the like start, whenever they thought of APIs, they exposed it in graph. I do not know why the decision was taken to just uh, have it on graph since day one, but well, we have it. And uh, our customers, I think uh, when I talk to customers, they are already used to graph APIs. They have other application built on top of graph APIs. Like one of the customers I was speaking to had a custom application built on top of Outlook and he wanted to, and they wanted to integrate bookings there itself on that custom application because they did not want their agents to get out of that system and because there was a productivity issue they'd say that if they keep on hopping between multiple systems their productivity drops down so they are already used to graph apis and i think just putting it on top of graph makes it simpler because i think uh, 365 developers are aware of the graph ecosystem so i think the decision is simple yeah but even listening to the scenarios that jeremy was describing if if i don't like that you you do notifications and email and sms and i have something different it sounds like yeah, the api is there i can do whatever my my needs are right that that's that, that that's great I, I i can't wait for every application everywhere to to come on board with that i, I really i really love that so you can read the appointments and send notifications wherever you like but I think a more natural way to do it will be to receive an event in your system and then fire it. We do not have that capability yet on uh, Bookings Graph, but we are working on first the Power Automate integration and the future will think along those lines as well to have an event listener cap capability to fire notifications or to take certain actions. Is there, um, you know, say if you wanted to check attendance of a particular booking, I mean, obviously this is implying that their booking teams meetings are not booking uh, some special fancy piece of equipment like Bill Gates did back in the day to start writing, uh, you know, basic. But um, it, could you check the attendance to see whether that person showed for the meeting and then kick off some business logic? Like, do you have APIs for kind of the post-meeting scenarios as well? So basically, if you if someone attended an online meeting, that data will be stored in Teams not in bookings because we are not aware if the person actually attended the meeting we are not capturing that information for online meeting probably we'll have to check the teams if we can get the attendee list and then you can trigger some kind of a business logic but if it was an offline meeting i don't see how that would be feasible unless someone has created a custom application and they are storing that data right then manage it there yeah but i guess that's smart because you're using you i guess you're just creating an online meeting more not normally like you would create a calendar event in someone's calendar that you can just use the teams apis to do that stuff which is great all the cloud communication apis in the docs you know, so you mentioned that you've been on Graph for several years now. So I assume you're launched in V1, right? And as we speak here in spring of 22, uh, what, what what new things are in there that folks may not have seen when they first looked three years ago? A lot of things. So for, for example, when we went to V1 December last year, we uh, went with a few new features as well. So custom questions was one of them. Uh, custom question was not available via the APIs. SMS support was not available. Online meeting support was not available. So these are the three key features I can think on the top of my mind. And recently, uh, we launched application permissions, which is very new, just about like four or five days back. 
it went live wow hot off the press yeah <laughs> thanks so, and our uh, next goal primarily is to take these application permissions to v1 we are targeting end of june hopefully will it will go to v1 during this timeline now this is really great i i love the scenarios that it unlocks like it's quite broad in terms of capability of where you do it there was I mean, there's systems I built when I was in Australia as a consultant where we pretty much built what you've described. Um, and so I imagine there's a lot of different people listening and different customers that they're talking to if they're consultants that could definitely benefit from this. And the fact that the API is available to kind of get the, yeah, this is really great, but which always comes up with customers when you talk to them is really great that you have that flexibility through the API. So congrats on this product. It's awesome. Yeah, you know, the sweet spot for me is, right, I can see having my line of business application book a meeting, but all that overhead of who's in the, you know, who are the staff members and what are the services, being able to let them use the out-of-the-box UI for defining the services and who's who provides the services, and that my custom app can just focus on on booking them. I, I like that. This I really like the approach that you folks have taken, so that's, that's, that's great. Adding to this, what you were saying right now, uh, you can use the APIs for custom allocation of staff. For example, right uh, right now we have a conventional allocation. The staff member which is available will uh, get the appointment. But if you have some specialized logic, like for example, one of our customers one had two sets of staff members and they wanted to first allocate from the first set. And if the first set was not available, then go to the second set of staff members to allocate. So if you have very specialized logic, I think APIs come in very handy. Or if you want to have some uh, very specialized cases, like you want a lab and a lab, a lab equipment and a lab operator. So you want to add two staff members and you want to build a custom logic on how to add those staff members. So again, APIs are very useful over there as well. It's not just the endpoint, having it on different endpoint. Great stuff. So I really appreciate you taking the time to share this with us. I uh... I like I said I had seen the I'd seen that it hit graph a while back and I didn't realize how how full featured it was so I really appreciate that. Just if there are folks are listening and want to to send feedback or anything, is there a, a place that you folks are listening for feedback or or any social media place where they can they can discuss? User voice, conventional support channels, they can reach to their CSMs, their uh, their client success managers. Uh, we are always available. The product team is always uh, interested and excited to connect to the customers. So reach us through any of the available channels which Microsoft provides. We are here for you. Excellent. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Altamish. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for having me. Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at m365devpodcast and check out our show notes at www.m365devpodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. That's all, folks. 